hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. There's a man that's written books and his name is R.C. Sproul. And he says, the primary meaning of holy is separate or separate. When we speak of the transcendence of God, we're talking about that sense in which God is above us and beyond us. The holy fills us with a kind of dread. Holiness undoes us. The world cannot abide in the presence of the holy. The trauma of God's holiness touches us all. And you know, I don't think any one of us would survive in the presence of God unless his hand was over us to preserve us. If you've got your Bible with you, and maybe it's in your phone, um, maybe you'd like to turn to Revelations 4. I guess it will be on the, on the screen. Revelations 4, the very last book of the Bible, starting at verse 1. Then I looked and I saw a door standing open in heaven, and the same voice I'd heard before spoke to me with the sound of a mighty trumpet blast. The voice said, Come up here and I'll show you what must happen after these things. And instantly I was in the spirit and I saw a throne in heaven, someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones, jasper and carnelian. And the glow of an emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. Twenty-four thrones surrounded him and twenty-four elders sat on them. They were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning. Flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were seven lampstands with burning flames. These are the seven spirits of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass sparkling like crystal. In the center and around the thrones were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living beings had the form of a lion. The second looked like an ox. The third had a human face. And the fourth had the form of an eagle with wings spread out as though in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings and their wings were covered with eyes inside and out. Day after day, night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and is still to come. Whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne 
and say, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honour and power. For you created everything, and it is for your pleasure that they exist and were created. It is from this place that the suddenlies come. It's an atmosphere that's absolutely charged with power and divine life and light. This is the throne room. This is the throne where God resides. This is the birthing place of all that is God. This is where the word dwells. And this is where Gabriel is. So perhaps we could just turn now to Luke, chapter 1, from verse 5. I know we're reading a bit of scripture this morning, but that's not a bad thing, is it? It wouldn't matter if we did nothing else but read Holy Scripture. Because God is the one, he is the revealing one, he reveals himself. He actually doesn't need us to reveal him. And it all begins in verse 5, it all begins with a Jewish priest, Zechariah, who lived when Herod was king of Judea. Zechariah was a member of the priestly order of Abiah. His wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren and now they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary and burn incense in the Lord's presence. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. And here's Zechariah's suddenly. Zechariah was in the sanctuary when an angel of the Lord appeared, standing to the right of the incense altar. Like I read before, holiness undoes us. It's got trauma in it. Zechariah was overwhelmed with fear. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. For God has heard your prayer and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you're to name him John. You'll have great joy and gladness And many will rejoice with you at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or hard liquor, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before his birth. And he'll persuade many Israelites to turn to the Lord their God. He'll be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, the prophet of old. He'll precede the coming of the Lord preparing the people for his arrival. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and he'll change disobedient minds to accept godly wisdom. 
And Zechariah said to the angel, And how can I know this will happen? I'm an old man, and my wife is also well along in years. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. And now, since you didn't believe what I said, you won't be able to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly come true at the proper time. As I read this, and goodness, I've read it so many times in my life, but here was the suddenly for me. It was like I could see Gabriel. Of course, I, can't, I couldn't tell you what he looked like, but it was like I had this impression that when Zechariah said, how will I know that these things will come to pass? As if Gabriel sort of straightened up He knew his authority. He had come from the throne room with a word that had come from the throne, spoken by God. And he came to deliver this. And here he encountered in Zechariah unbelief. And you know, the last account that we have of Gabriel was when he came to Daniel and spoke about end times. And Daniel received that word and wrote it down very faithful. But here, Zechariah, there was like a clash of heaven to earth. Zechariah saying, well, how can I know? How can I know that this is going to be true? So Gabriel, he declared with an authority that he had been given to bring this word. He understood authority. He came from a place of authority. Our God is all-powerful. He has all authority. And these words that he delivered, they were pulsating with heaven life and authority in preparation to be fulfilled. They were already a living word waiting for a place to fall and to germinate and bring forth life. In God's presence, the word is alive and filled with power, ready to fulfill itself. There's no unbelief in the presence of God. So when I read this, it just, I sort of felt like a grief that here was this beautiful promise. What an amazing word to come. And for it to clash against secular thinking, the thinking of unbelief. It's, I felt as though the Lord gave me a, like a crack in the door to peer into heavenly places and how it is in the throne room. 
a place that is just pulsating with light and life. And everything that happens there is for the glory of the Father. Everything, every word that comes from his mouth is ready to be fulfilled. It's filled with power, filled with power, divine power ready to be fulfilled, to bring forth much fruit, to see his will brought forth through his word. Zechariah had been a priest for a long time. He came from a lineage of priesthood. He is immersed in the Jewish culture. He knew the word. He is familiar with the presence of God and of God's ways. This was his line of work, his ministry, his daily life. His calling. What a shock for Gabriel. This human response clashed with the throne room declaration. How can I know this will happen? What further proof did he need? Here in front of Zechariah was the Gabriel. Gabriel seemed to be used to bring uh, prophetic fulfillment, prophetic word. He spoke to Daniel, he spoke to Zechariah, and he spoke to Mary, announcing, announcing major events. So Zechariah made a confession with his mouth, but it wasn't one of faith. Maybe his confession came from years of disappointment. Years of feeling like a failure that had no children. No children. Years of unanswered prayer. Maybe years of needing to console his wife over and over. Year after year. God had heard his prayer in their prayer. But of course with God, everything is in an appointed time. And God's appointed time is not known to us. He doesn't reveal that. Zechariah thought he was chosen by lot to be in the sanctuary that day, but actually God had this time this day, appointed from the very beginning of time. Zechariah had been appointed for this suddenly on this day to fulfill prophecy spoken and written so many years before. God's word is living. It doesn't get stale or lose its potency. God's word pulsates with creative life waiting for the right time and the right conditions to be fulfilled. Some years ago, it was coming to Christmas time. I like Christmas time, and I like having my family around me. I love having a full nest, and the preparations that go on beforehand I enjoy that, but this particular Christmas, I was feeling quite heavy-hearted. Um, we had a daughter in Melbourne, 
We still have a daughter in Melbourne, but not the one I'm talking about today. Um, and she had told me that she wouldn't be home for Christmas, and I just... I'd, there was no apparent reason that she couldn't come or wouldn't come. And oh, it, it just affected me hugely. And um, so I did the normal preparations and made the Christmas cake and the fruit mince pies and bought the meat and ordered berries and all those sorts of things. And it was just sort of like dragging my feet towards Christmas Day. And um, on the last shopping day, uh, before Christmas Day, I just had a few things, you know how we all have those few things that you save up until the last minute to get to keep them fresh and all of that. And Paul said he'd come with me, which was actually quite unusual. He's not, often hasn't been free and supermarkets are not his, his place. A supermarket is a place that you go in and you grab the four things on the list and you get out. <laughs> he sort of likes to go in, shoot the game, bag it and off you go. <laughs> Uh, no standing looking at labels or deciding which brand you'll get or does it feel as though it's ripe or not and is there a better cut of this or that. <laughs> Just go and get it. <laughs> so anyway, he came with me to the supermarket and I thought, well, at least he's excited. I'm not. Um, anyway, so we did that and then Christmas Eve is quite often late getting to bed because we're doing those, as much preparation for the next day as we can so that the next day isn't all about being at the bench and uh, maybe setting the table and all those sort of things. And Paul's sort of urging me, saying, come on, I think we'd better get off to bed. And I was thinking, and I might have said to him, well, you know, a bit early. <laughs> um, anyway, off we went to bed. And um, in the morning woke up and our other daughter, who is living here, um, came in out into our room to say good morning, happy Christmas. So I got her out of bed to greet her and gave her a hug. And, um, and she just, uh, she seemed quite happy and I thought, well, great, great for her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know why it affected me so much this year, but it did. And she stood to one side and several metres behind her was my daughter from Melbourne. And she just stood still. She didn't talk, hardly moved, just looked at me. And do you know, the first thought that came to my mind was, this is going to go away. I thought I was seeing a vision or a mirage or something that wasn't real. Disappointment had set in to my thinking. It affected the way I viewed truth and reality. And I just wonder if that's what had happened to Zechariah. For so many years, so much disappointment over and over and over, that when the answer 
to the prayer was being declared over him, all he could say was, how do I know that this is going to be true? What sign can you give me? Gabriel sent from God, from the throne room of God, delivering the word of God, fulfilling promise. What sign are you going to give me? Because his reality had become greater than God's reality. And how easy that can happen. We had a really good Christmas. And fortunately for me, God didn't remove any of my senses. He didn't say to me, well, you can't speak. All the time that your daughter's here from Melbourne, you can't speak. <laughs> so we had a lovely Christmas. So where am I up to? What I didn't realise was that this plan for Priscilla to be with us from Melbourne had been planned in secret. Zechariah didn't realise that that plan had been planned in secret for hundreds of years, ever since the time of the beginning. So once I knew, like everyone else in the house knew, that Priscilla was coming, well, that's why I had to go to bed early. Because I'd picked her up from the airport, our son, and they were circling around. Apparently there was a text message in code, something like, the eagle has landed <laughs> and is hovering, waiting to arrive. You know, get mum off to bed, get her to sleep. <laughs> We've got to sneak her in. That's why Paul came shopping with me. Not because he really wanted to, necessarily. <laughs> I don't think Paul can remember this, but I can. So there had been plans that I wasn't privy to. My interpretation of everything was shaped by my understanding, but not by fact, not by the truth of things. So for Zechariah, God had heard many prayers, but it wasn't yet the appointed time. So their prayers for a child were still relevant. They were still alive in the throne room. God still had his ear open to them, but it wasn't the appointed time yet. Do you know, they weren't really barren as a couple. It just wasn't time. It just wasn't the right time. Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, she seemed a faith-filled woman. Her confession to Mary was full of joy and thankfulness. Her baby also filled with the Holy Spirit. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing to have a child who has been already declared filled with the Holy Spirit, leaping in her womb, when the child heard the greeting of Mary. What a declaration of faith and speaking prophetically by the Holy Spirit flowed out of Elizabeth. And according to scripture, when Mary came to Elizabeth, it was only a few days after the angel had spoken to Mary. So I don't know how Elizabeth knew to say that it was only by the Holy Spirit that she greeted Mary as the mother of her Lord. It was only a few days 
and Mary echoed a beautiful prophetic response to Elizabeth. Our God is a holy God. His word comes from a holy place, a birthing place, a place of creativity. So how does all of this that I'm sharing this morning affect us? How does it affect you? How does it affect me? Well, I also read about Philip. I said the Lord gave me three names. Philip. He is a man filled with the Holy Spirit, just like you and like me. So he's no different to us. He is one of the followers, followers in the New Testament church who had fled Jerusalem because of the persecution and he went on his way to Samaria, evangelizing as he went. And an angel spoke to him and told him to go south on the desert road that runs between Jerusalem and Gaza. So Philip went. Then the Holy Spirit instructed him what to do when he got there. I've never seen an angel. I have heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I have heard the voice of the Lord. And I think this is probably how most of us hear from God. Maybe you have seen angels. Has anyone here seen an angel? Right, we've got one hand. One? Two hands. So it's a fairly low percentage, isn't it, of seeing angels. I did ask the Lord, I have asked the Lord, but he hasn't seen fit to show them to me. How do we respond when we hear that voice? How do we respond to our suddenness? Do we have an awareness of the holiness of his word? That word that we hear has come from a holy place, from a holy God. When God's word comes to us, it comes pulsating with divine power, ready to fulfill itself. And we're invited to partner with God. We have a choice to join God in his suddenlies. We have a choice to not believe the spoken word. Maybe because of disappointment or shame, what's clouded our sense when we hear God? Is there something that clouds that word? In Elizabeth's prayer of thanks, she refers to the shame she'd felt and borne through not having had any children that God had wiped away her and removed her shame. But she didn't let years of unfruitfulness deprive her of this opportunity. I felt that God wants to renew in me, and maybe in you too, a real sense and reverence for the spoken word that comes from the throne room, whether it's as we read scripture or whether it's when we hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us. It's often in here, isn't it, that we hear 
the Holy Spirit. Our God is holy, and his kingdom cannot come if his name is not revered as being holy. His will isn't done on earth if it's not being held as holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. His holy presence is here with us this morning. His holy word is being spoken. Holy is a foreign word to many, but to reflect on it is to ponder on the majesty of Almighty God, the one who separated us from the commonplace and consecrated us to the Lord and his service, is how R.C. Sproul puts it. I wonder if the band could come up, please. There's a song that Brooke Fraser has sung. It's called Oceans. And I'd like to read this in the context of responding to God when he speaks to our suddenlies. And our suddenlies may not look as dramatic as ones that we can read about in Scripture. But to have the ear of our heart open, to respond and be available, to be vulnerable to the Holy Spirit. You know, this world, this generation that we are living in, is crying out for a demonstration of the sons and the daughters of a living God. Are we willing to step up and to demonstrate, to let God demonstrate through us who He is? That is what it's about, isn't it? He wants to demonstrate who He is. His power, His life flowing through us to the one that lives next door to us to the one that we brush against in the supermarket, maybe not in social distancing, we may not brush, but this world is crying out. It's in travail, it's in pain, because it needs a revelation of who God is. Who God is. I was just hearing recently in this last week about some that have been over in Cambodia installing irrigation and pipes and pumps, getting water into villages and schools into a church. And because of that, people are giving their lives to the Lord because they're seeing a demonstration of who God is, the God of all gods, the Holy God, the Holy One. And He's looking for you, He's looking for me to be the ones that will be available. Are we willing to be a pipe that the water can flow through, that starts a pump working, that brings life? Life to this world that's dying. Life to this world that's so sick. But we have in us, we have the power of a holy God. The Holy Spirit has given to us that we can be witnesses. That His life can flow through us. Our communities are desperate. Desperate for a drink of the water of life that flows freely from the throne of God. Can we commit today that, yes, Lord, I'll be available?
West End. I won't read these other words. I think we'll just go into the last song. You respond. You respond to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about. You know, normally we'd offer that you come up for prayer. We're just having to be respectful of the regulations that are put around us. The main thing is that you hear what the Spirit is saying to you. That you hear the word that is coming from the throne room for you. And you respond to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, because He's calling for us to cooperate with Him and join Him in the Sundays. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.